Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 43 of the Half Price Concessions podcast, as this week we sit down and talk with Chris Lamb from the USAC Eastern Midgets. want to give a special thank you to everybody and anybody who has subscribed to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube. If you've subscribed, we thank you for doing that. If you haven't done so yet, please do so. It would really help us out a ton. And on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. That would help us out as well. If you have been at a short track in North Carolina, South Carolina, even up into Virginia, an asphalt short track that is, you've probably seen Chris Lamb and the USAC Eastern Midgets. And you've probably seen Chris Lamb at the front. His number nine Eastern Midget is always a tough one to beat out of the Radical Race Gear stables. I've known Chris for several years now, actually worked as a USAC official with Chris Racing along with Jared Irvin and a bunch of other drivers that came from that series. And here in 2020, decided to sit down and finally have a conversation with Chris for the podcast to talk about uh, his background in midget racing, why he runs that series, and what's to come for him in the future. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. Chris is definitely a fun one to watch, whether it's on the racetrack, he's a great person to talk to, and he shares his knowledge with just about anybody and everybody. As long as you're not some disrespectful little twerp, you'll probably get some help from a guy like Chris Lamb. So sit back and relax. You're going to enjoy this one. Episode 43 of the Half Price Concessions podcast with Chris Lamb is coming up on the other side of this break. Planning on doing some digging in your yard? Your simple backyard project could quickly turn dangerous. Buried underground cables and lines are just inches below the surface. So don't forget to make one very important call to 811. Calling 811 is the first step in having your buried utilities marked so you know where it is safe to dig. 811 is free, it's fast, and it's the law. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. This episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast is brought to you with support from Performance Center Racing Warehouse. In addition to being the home of the PRW chassis, Performance Center offers in-house setups and consulting, plus suspension and chassis pull-down analysis, along with their fabrication shop that can reclip your race car with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Give Roger Johnson and the Performance Center team the chance to earn your racing business by calling them today at 704-838-1400 or visit them online at performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Here on the Half Price Concessions podcast, and we are joined this week by Mr. Chris Lamb. Chris, it is good to see you again now that I'm gotten out of the track announcing things so much I don't, I don't get to see as much I, I feel like i used to see you like every other week at either a speedway or wherever else we were now i rarely see you but i'm, I'm glad you haven't gotten any uglier since the last time <laughs> i seen you well i'm glad to see you too tyler and it's uh it's great to be here on the half price podcast thank you very much for having me with all this going on have you even hardly got to race at all this year because usually the division you run in with the midgets is is it usually support division you guys aren't usually headlining so how much have y'all gotten to race at all this year we've had about six or seven shows cancel on us so we've gotten to race a total of three races so far um so 
Not very much, but we do have something scheduled here soon, and I'm hoping that we get to have that one go for. I was about to say, is that uh, is, this has got to be the least amount of racing you've done at this point in the year ever, probably, probably since birth, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, mean, I feel I feel like when I look at like your Facebook feed and the results and stuff that I usually see, like you probably ran 30 times already by this point in the year in a normal non-pandemic year. Yeah, as much as we could, definitely. Um, Three weeks kind of, it doesn't allow you to get into any sort of rhythm. So it's almost like getting back in that seat for the first time at the start of a year every week. So it's, uh, it's a little rough, but we'll make it through and keep going. So most people that hear this will probably know you as the guy who's usually out front when a USAC midget, when the USAC midgets or just midgets in general come to their racetrack. And it, it's always funny to me for for me to see other people watch you guys run because they're so people around here are so much used to just the bigger cars it's easy to see the number it's kind of easy to tell who it is and with your with with your style of cars they're so much smaller i've told people all the time i can't recognize the car numbers i just have recognized the paint schemes but it's so cool to just see people around here get exposed to it because there's just not a lot of open wheel racing down here i mean even with you guys it's not there's just not a whole lot of 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 you know, right. for south of Indiana, y'all might as well be, you know, the outskirts. Yeah, we're uh, we're definitely the outcasts when we show up to uh, big late model races or late model races in general. Um, but we're trying to grow the series as much as we can, travel to different uh, different racetracks, kind of get our, our cars seen. Um, this series, uh, we have a bunch of cars. It's uh, a bunch of young kids coming out and joining us, so that's, that's more exciting than ever. Um, you know, and uh, unfortunately with my age getting up there, it's uh, my time's coming soon to walk away from it. But, um, you know, I do have a son, so hopefully we can keep the series going to where he can be filling the seat when he's old enough. Do you feel like the old guy out there? <laughs> I am the old guy out there. <laughs> what are you talking about? feel like it. <laughs> Racing against 15-year-olds. Yeah, I am the old guy now. I'm about to say. With, with it being just so much kind of late model heavy country down here and stuff, with kids that come down here to run with you guys, with, with the, the USAC midgets and stuff, does it feel like something for them to kind of springboard trying to along a more of a NASCAR journey? Or do you guys see a lot of kids that come down here, do this, and then kind of go back up toward Indiana and run where it's like, you know, USAC national midgets and 3C, 360 winged outlaws and stuff like that? It, uh, it kind of depends on where their, uh, their mindset is at. If they kind of just want to stay racing, and do it as a hobby, then I don't think you'll find a more fun car to drive than what we are in. Um, now, if they wanna use it as a stepping stone, again, it's a great car to be a stepping stone for, um, I guess a later, more prog more progressive series. Um, maybe people have heard of Jake Garcia. Yeah. We um, He actually raced with us for two years and used it as a stepping stone. Now he's, he's winning super late model races and all big money races and stuff like that. So. Again, it's just kind of where your mindset's at and where you want to be in the next couple of years. It kind of determines where you go with it. It's funny how they spread out different because I remember uh, Ryan Crachin mm -hmm. uh, when he was kind of with you guys, and I think now he's running, uh, I think, the Big Block Mods yep. or something like that. And then I've seen a few others that last year at the North-South Shootout, the, the you know, open-wheel modified race at Hickory, I think I saw a few guys that names were kind of familiar. So, like, like you said, it, it is kind of cool to see that springboard because – your kind of cars, because you're going so fast and your tire's so small, it seems like it's like 
a legend on steroids in the sense of you've got to learn car control in a hurry or you're going to oh, yeah. get hurt. Yeah, it's a, they're not easy to drive by any means. Um, they have a lot of grip, I'll say that, but it's kind of a wheel-to-throttle input situation that you have to figure out or you can get hurt pretty badly in these. So tell me a little bit about what's under the hood. Just how much power do you actually have underneath you? Um, we have about 200 horsepower in it there, uh, but the car only weighs 1,100 pounds. So the, the weight to horsepower ratio is pretty good. Um, but they're a 2.0 Ford motor actually out of a Focus that have been fuel injected and a little bit of other stuff done to it. It gives it a little bit more horsepower and makes it a little bit more fun. Gotcha. Is it one of those things where it really takes y'all kind of that first full lap to kind of get going and then it kind of turns into a momentum deal? Yeah, it's definitely a momentum car. Um, now, if you go to smaller places like Wake County, um, the gear is so, I guess, low in it that or high in it that you can, it, it, it doesn't take much to spin them up. But if you go to Dominion or Orange County, yeah, it takes about a lap to get there. Yeah. What's about the biggest place y'all gotten to take those things? Dominion, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, which, no complaints, really. It's It's smooth. It's big, so it's really fast. Um, it makes for some great racing, but in a sense, it is almost a little too big for our cars and the horsepower we have. Yeah, what's the smallest one? Was it, was it Wake, or have you found smaller with those cars? Uh, Wake around here is definitely the smallest place, but... Um, or that old, uh, what was that old, the old track behind Concord? Was that a quarter mile or was that a fifth mile? I remember you guys running on that with yeah, Jared Irvin and them. That might have been a quarter. I don't even remember what size that is, but Wake feels smaller than that place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Wake is, um, the corners are tighter. I guess the walls are closer. It feels smaller than anywhere I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you gotten to drive a whole lot other than these cars, or have you kind of just been so much more into this? Um, well, this has kind of been where uh, my home base is. Um, but I have driven some 410 sprint cars, uh, some midgets out in Vegas, um, some go-karts obviously from when I was younger. But uh, yeah, no, I really haven't stepped much out of where I'm at right now. Just kind of use it as a hobby and to pass time and spend some time with my dad. What was a 410 like? That thing had to be like a dream come true for you. Yeah, those, <laughs> I wish I never uh, had to get out of it, I'll say that. Um, Where'd you run it? We ran at Hickory. I ran eight races in it, Hickory, Anderson, uh, Anderson, South Carolina, and then, believe it or not, I ran like four other racetracks, I don't remember the name of them, they were all in Ohio or Indiana or someplace up, up north. Yeah. <laughs> about to say, about dime yeah. a dozen up there. Yeah, so I, I couldn't remember the name of them. See, I've always heard guys talk about, on dirt, going from a crate lake model to driving a super, they say it goes from having a little bit of control to driving something that you got to drive like you're pissed off. Oh yeah. Was that, was that like what it was with the 410? Yeah, you have those huge wings on the front and the nose. I'm sorry, the nose in the back. And then you got a thousand horsepower. You got to figure out a way to keep that planted. And then with that wing, you, you're hardly ever out of the throttle. So it's, you gotta, you gotta muster up some, some go there and, and figure out how to drive that. And, you know, coming from a race car with 200 horsepower, getting into one with a thousand, it was, it was a pretty big learning curve, and I had to do it quickly and on the fly. I say it set you back <laughs> in the seat. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was intense. See, I feel like that would be, and just just from the little bit I know you, I feel like that would be like your dream come true path. 
would be to get to run like 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 what people see with the World Outlaws or All Star mm-hmm. Circuit, where you're you got all that power and you and you get to race as much as they do because I hear so many guys talk about like you just said, you're only getting to run three times this year. When you run, when you get to run 60, 70 times a year, just how much better you get. Oh, yeah. Would, would that be kind of your dream there to, to run the 410? Or do, did you have aspirations of something no. bigger? No, it, that was kind of my goal is to uh, <clears throat> to run a 410 sprint car and kind of level out there and be done with it. That was my highlight year. And that's the year I almost wanted to say I made it. And uh, I became a real race car driver. But, um, yeah, that... that that was a glory year. I was on cloud nine that year. I was about to say. Tell me a little bit about where you come from. Were you were you born here in Greensboro, or no, did you move down here? I was. I've been in Greensboro a majority of my life since '95. My family moved down from upstate New York. Um, travel and work, I guess, for, uh, with for my dad. Um, but this is where I started racing. Started racing dirt go karts for with WKA at uh, like Liberty Speedway. Some uh, some people may know where that is. Um, ran go-karts for many, many years. And then one day dad just showed up with a, a midget frame. We started putting it together and that's kind of where all the fun started. I hate you didn't get to do as much racing up there because I hear, I've heard a ton of stories from like the guys at Speed 51 and stuff and they talk about all the tracks up in New York and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I don't know nothing about that. I've, I got north of the Mason-Dixon line one time and I felt like I needed to get back in a hurry, <laughs> but yeah. We, uh, just such a different culture up there than it is down here. Yeah, they, they had a series up there when I first started in the Midgets. And we would go up there, I don't know, I would say probably once once a month, maybe twice a month, and go race in that series up there. Um, you know, they're, they're not much different than they are down here. It's really? A, yeah, it's, uh, in my eyes, everybody's just there to race. Everybody's having fun. It's It's a racetrack vibe rather than... A southern versus northern type thing. Yeah, they may do things a little different, but everybody's racers trying to have fun, trying to win. Was that the NEMA stuff? Um, I think I, I heard Derek Pernasiglia talk about about that being a, a big deal up there. Yeah, and stuff. that uh, the Boston Louis. I ran. That's the only race I run in NEMA. So that's my car with a wing on it. Um, and we get thirty cars in our series in our class. Yeah, racing twenty nine laps or something like that, and. Besides, uh, um, <clears throat> besides a sprint car, that's that. That was one of my other favorite times of my life is doing that yearly and going up there and trying to compete and, I guess, bring my name up in the NEMA site. Yeah, I know. For people that sit in the stands that see you run wingless and then maybe see you with the wing on, it's one thing for the fan to just see the visual difference. Mm-hmm. Now I can't. I can't really see the top of your head. I can barely see your the front of your helmet as an announcer. But for a fan, there's like, oh, okay, there's a wing on. That's cool. Talk a little bit about just how different it is for you in the car, and how much how much more play does that give you with that wing on the top and the downforce it gives you. The wing it it, it essentially doubles your right rear tire. It gives you so much more grip in the back that um, <laughs> you almost have the feeling that you could not come out of the gas. It has that much grip. But um, the center, the center drive off, it, it's unbelievable with the wing. Your entry is unbelievable. It's, I call them training wheels. <laughs> that's really? Just, yeah, that's essentially what I call them. Um, it's that much easier. It, it's, it's that it's, much easier. It's easier to drive than it is without the wing. It, it gives you so much more downforce. Like, if you take a, I don't know, 
how to put it into words, but if you take a wing off a drag car, like the back spoiler off a drag car, they're just going to sit there and light them up and not have any rear downforce. That's essentially what the wing does for us. It just plants It, it just that plants thing. the whole car straight to the racetrack. Shoot. So from your vantage point, take that wing off and yeah. we'll see who the real driver yeah. is. Yeah. It takes, a, it takes a driver to race without a wing and then takes a steering wheel holder to race with a wing, I think. See, I... I never really thought of that because mm-hmm. I got to watching on Dirt Vision. I don't know if it was Knoxville or another track um, where World Outlaws were running. So obviously they got two wings on. They got the mm-hmm. front and the top. But they had the wingless sprint cars. And I was like, okay, that thing looks kind of funky. It ain't got a lot of sponsors on right. it. And, I mean, that thing was that thing looked crazy fun to drive. And those oh, yeah. guys were out there killing it. And I was just like, I don't have a lot of exposure to, like, the wingless sprints. I just see you guys with the wingless midgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, it's that much of a difference. Big difference. Wow. It, if you want to talk about the dirt sprint cars, wingless and non, wingless and wings, sorry. Um, if you watch them closely, you'll see that the wing sprint cars sit on that left rear, and they're hardly ever completely sideways. Yeah, they're kind of. They're, they get to that they, one point where they, they set lean the car. on the left rear, and they're they're sideways, and their hands are more still. To where if you see the guys without a wing, they got to sail it in there, send it sideways, get the car to turn plan it down and get it to go down the straightaway. It's, it takes some uh, real race car drivers to drive a sprint car without a wing. I'll I'm, say that. I've never thought about that. See, yeah. that's why I come to interview you, <laughs> teach me stuff. Did you, have you ever had a temptation or a desire to get in the big car, the late model, something, something bigger size? Or is no, it, it just really. hadn't worked out? Never really had a temptation to do it. I've talked to Boo Boo Dalton every once in a while, like, hey, Ever gonna let me he would never fit in one of your cars. <laughs> no. I love Boo Boo to death, but he would never fit in one of your cars. No, we probably, well, we, got, we have a big seat out there somewhere. Uh, if you remember Nick Davidson, he was a big fellow at one point. He looks small next to me, though. I don't want to go that far. You're cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we have a big seat out here. But I did talk to Boo Boo about his late model every once in a while. And at the end of the day, I really have no ambition to get in there. Yeah. It, they look cool. It, uh but, I don't know, they also look boring in the same point. No? Hey, that's yeah. that's the good thing about racing. Everybody, yeah. you, you, you get on what you want and, uh, yeah. So what has been the most fun track you've gotten to go on? And I'm sure there's probably five or six that come to mind, but just one where you're just like, I could go out here and run third, but I just have fun running at this place when we get to go here. Um, if I had to pick the two favorite racetracks, my favorite would be Orange County when it's when it's a lot of grip and the grip's up high and you can run that high side as close to the wall as you can. Um, that's probably my favorite time. Um, I it's just more fun. It, it it gets you out of the the shell of running a being a bottom feeder at everywhere else around here. Um, and then Wake County, it, it's so small. Um, it even with 200 horsepower, you can light up the tires from center off and it, it just it. It takes more talent and finesse to drive at the smaller places and at Orange County just because of where the, the groove is. The car's sideways both places, and you actually have to be on the wheel for all 30, 45 laps and drive it rather than, okay, well, I'm sitting here in second. Let me just kind of hold my ground and then make a move with five to go. Yeah. yeah. Those kind of places are in my wheelhouse and my favorite places to go. Gotcha. I would, I would kill. I don't think it's realistic at all. But I would kill if you guys could go run like a short road course. I bet that would that would be a ton of fun. But I know those cars aren't built to turn right at all. Yeah. Hardly any race cars built to turn right. But 
That'd be cool if I could get you guys to VIR to even run the short course. Oh man, that would uh, that would be a show for sure. Just in turn one, I don't know. How oh, y'all would be. Yeah, I don't know how many would make it out of turn one, but we would get there. That's like I went. I took some buddies there for the NASCAR K and N race there. Uh, one of them, and we were set up where we could see the first turn, and the first two or three cars would get through, and actually make the turn, and then you'd see boom, cloud <laughs> of dust. So. Yeah. Maybe y'all y'all would probably just get stuck down there. Yeah, it, <laughs> it would be fun, but I don't, I don't know how well it would work out. So, with midget racing, you know, as opposed to the kids like Boo Boo Dalton that came up and watched like the Barry Beggarlies and mm -hmm. the people like that and stuff, who were who were the people that you were kind of looking up to when you were coming up? Uh, when I was coming up, my first couple of years, I was actually a big fan of um, Brian Clawson. You know, he BC. Yeah, he was he almost had it all when I was watching him and you know, he was winning everything, dirt and pavement. He just he was that young kid coming up out of essentially nothing and and making it in a USAG midget and I was running I guess a lower tier of the same thing. That yeah, I wanted more horsepower. I wanted to be out there on that big stage and then of course he got the indie ride and I was like, Well heck yeah, you know, that's awesome for him, you know, so yeah. If I really had to choose somebody in the local wheelhouse, it would be Brian Clawson. Um, you know, if I had to hit the bigger stage, of course, everybody knows Ty uh, Tony Stewart. Yeah. Pretty much everybody that came from the midgets area and the sprint cars. I always looked up to those guys because I don't want to say I can relate to them, but I can. They, yeah. they, they've came from the same home turf as I have, in a sense. I'm surprised you didn't throw in... Uh some of the national guys like the Kinzers or the Swindells or any of those. Yeah. You were you were more of the Clawson guy. Yeah. I was more of a Clawson guy. He was kind of more down down to earth kind of fellow those. Have you gotten to go to Chili Bowl yet? I've Even just as a fan. Yeah. Tell me about that cuz I've always wanted to go. It's on my bucket list. Tell me it about was, that. Um, I like to put it as nine straight days of partying with a little <laughs> bit with a little bit of racing thrown in. Um <laughs> There's countless times you wake up in the morning not knowing what day it is and who's going like going to be on the racetrack. Um, and you were there. It sounds like you were there for the full experience. You weren't just you didn't just pop in there for the Saturday main yeah, event. I was uh, I was there for the shootout through the Chili Bowl, so I was there for two solid weeks. And then when the shootout rolls out of town and the Chili Bowl rolls in, it's almost like a big circus. It, it's insane at the amount of people, the amount of fans that show up for it. Um, the place is packed. It, if you're not racing that day, most of the time you're sitting there watching, having a cold one. Yeah. It's it's one of a kind deal. And yeah. I really have been wanting to go back ever since. And before it's over, I'll be back. I was about to say, I, I'm just amazed how they, you know, the entry list has just mm -hmm. gone bonkers on it. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard to keep up with who's even out there sometimes. You never I mean, know. Just to make the main event is, is yeah. crazy, let alone being there to watch and they got the, you know, got the lights turn off for the yeah. driver intros and all that craziness. You've got so many big names trying to make, I think it's, what, what is it, 20, 25 spots? I don't even know how many it is, I th 24? I think it's 24. 24 or something like that. Gosh, there's probably 120 ki uh, people that are eligible to make it, like, to win that race. Just they have to make it through their qualifier night or the alphabet soup or whatever they end up having to run, but yeah, easily half the field could win that race. What would keep you from doing that? Is it is it just a very costly thing to go oh, out yeah. there and go do? Money, money is what keep me from doing it. Yeah. It's uh, 
I bet that would be expensive. Those, yeah, majority <laughs> of those cars are one-off cars that they either run it once a year or they run it once and get rid of it. Really? They, yeah, there's no weight rule, so all the cars are probably, whether or not I know this for sure, probably on the bottom end of a safety realm. Yeah. Um, That's why they flip so easily. Yeah. And like I said, there's no weight rule. I don't know. I don't know if there's a motor rule. If there is, I don't know. But I guarantee you it's it's probably hundred grand for a car. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. So you don't think about that. You see, I'm I'm watching on TV, and I don't know no better. I'm not thinking that cars cost that much because because oh, it's, yeah. it's not big. I guess that's what it is mm-hmm. for me. I, I don't. It, it doesn't look like a big car, so it doesn't look like an expensive yeah, car. If you have like the likes of Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, Rico Abreu, the people that have won it the most in the recent years, they all have Toyotas under the hoods. Those are, those motors are seventy grand for a national. Jeez. Yeah, for a national car to run a weekly show. Now, if they're they're different for the Chili Bowl, that means that price goes up. So, yeah, I couldn't afford to do that. I'm not gonna say it. Now it just kind of starts to amaze me how probably how much Keith Coons yeah. takes in for all the rides that he rents oh, out yeah. during that thing because he's usually got nine carts there. Oh yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's able to make a very well living, like very good living off of it. Yeah. So I mean, he has to he has to be making somewhere. Golly, is there another event that's like Chili Bowl? They, like not, not, I know not to that extent, but just maybe if people are like, midget racing is kind of cool, but what else is there other than Chili Bowl that's like a big time deal? Well, you always have the uh, the USAC Triple Crown, um, yeah, which is midgets, sprints, sprint cars, and silver crown cars all packed up in one night. Um, that's a good show. That's actually where Kyle Larson got noticed. He won all three of them in one night, and then I think like the next year or two later, Tony Stewart introduced him to Chip, Chip Ganassi, and that's how he got his cup ride. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a good show. Um, and the Dirt Midgets, they run, gosh, they run, I think it's like 60, 70 times a year. Yeah. And, and that's just the sanctioned races. Yeah. That's up in Indiana and Ohio area. So up there, you just Google it. I'm sure it'd be easy to find a dirt race with them there. Yeah. The Silver Crowns, I feel like I just, I feel like I remember watching them for, I think it was like the, the Tuesday Night Thunder, the ESPN2 head, mm-hmm. and then it seems like, I don't know if it's true or not, but like it just fell off from where it, it used to be. It used to be like, like you said, Tony Stewart, I mm-hmm. think Jeff Gordon came from it, and so many guys, Ryan Newman, I think, and then like it seemed like everybody just quit going up to Silver Crown and just stayed in midgets and going around in sprints. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't think there's much money in Silver Crowns. Like, like it used to be. Yeah, they're, uh, you have the professional sprint car drivers, they, they make a pretty good living for themselves just doing that to where if you go up to Silver Crown, it's just not as well liked. The cars aren't completely yawed out and out of control. They're more, they're, they're more like a late model than what anything you would think of in that group of cars. Um, so it, they're, they're not exactly that much fun to watch and they all race on mile, mile and a half. Big racetracks, they spread out. It kind of gets a little boring, yeah. but it's still part of USAC. It's still part of, uh, I guess, the legendary USAC, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But, yeah, not yeah. many people can make much money doing it. Where's somewhere on your bucket list that if 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 I came to you and said, Chris, this daggum scratch all finally paid off. I got I got two million dollars. Let's go take your midget and go run it wherever you want to get like that bucket list track mm-hmm. in to go run your car against. You know, great competition or whatever. Where where would it be? That's easy. We yeah. just spoke about it. Chili Bowl. 
Okay, okay. Other than Chili Bowl. <laughs> Other than Chili Bowl. I'm going to uh, take Chili Bowl out of the equation. It's got to be like a Terre Haute or it's got to yeah, be uh, something would, like that. Eldora, for sure. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Eldora. You can't pass up Eldora. That's a world-famous dirt track, so I would probably go there. Yeah. Run the Triple Crown. Be done with it. Hey, I, th I think Jack Hewitt. I think Jack Hewitt swept it one time, oh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know that knowledge. Hey, I just know he gave a great interview that <laughs> yeah. one time. It's yeah. on YouTube. That yeah. thing is legendary. I don't think we can quote that one. No, if, if we did, my grandma would need to turn off. I try to do these things where my grandma can listen and not be like, oh, my gosh. But, um, dang on. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad I came to talk to you, man, because you just you taught me so much. See, I don't I just don't know much about this stuff as far as the midgets go. I feel like I've, I've kind of become more of a fan of the sprint cars mm -hmm. and, and more specifically World Outlaws and All-Stars right. and stuff, but I forget about the midgets and, like, you know, there's guys like you. I know Dylan Welch at MRN does them, and yeah. um, I think it's Chad Boat. Yeah. He has he has a team that does it, and it it's hard for me as a Southern race fan to to get so much into it just because there's not much around here. But I feel like if you dropped a Southern race fan in Indiana, they'd probably have ten tracks around them that would run it. Yeah, and it'd just be like, yeah. oh, that's so, like that's up here what Late Models is down yeah, here. I was just about to say that from where we sit, we're about an hour hour and a half from countless tracks seven eight nine of them you go up there and you're sitting in the same place 30 minutes from six seven eight nine tracks yeah it, it's unbelievable how much uh how much bigger dirt in midget and sprint car racing is up there than it is almost nationwide that yeah. is the glory hole of sprint and midget racing yeah it's right there and, mm -hmm. and all that well you said how much longer did you say you were wanting the to do this before you felt like you were going to be too old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How much longer do you have before I need to come out and watch you run before I'm never going to get to see you race again? The start of this year, um, I told my dad that I wanted to run the full year. I wanted to try to put another championship under my under my hat, um, and then I was going to hang it up for good. My kid is going to be five next March. He'll be old enough to run his quarter midget, so. That's kind of where I'm going to lean to, hang up my deal and yeah. put his on. That's going to be – I can't wait to see how much stressed out you are for that. I hear so many guys <laughs> talk about I'm not. I'm relaxed when I'm doing it, but I'm stressed watching my kid do it. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's a legacy thing for you. How many generations of y'all have, have ran? Um, are we past three? My grandfather, my dad, me, and soon to be my son. So, I mean, I guess it'll be the fourth one once he puts his wow. helmet on. That's gonna be something. What's 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 like the biggest piece of advice you could give him? Listen. That's all. I, that's all he needs to do. If he listens, not not just to me, but to anybody. If he listens and actually goes through with what people are telling him on to do on and off the racetrack, he'll be all right. I think. You know, it's it, it's racing is not taught. I'm sure people have all heard the famous sayings that it's not taught that it's born in you um, and it, it's it's a passion thing if he doesn't love it he won't be able to succeed in it if he doesn't have it in him he's not gonna be able to succeed in it it's uh and at the end of the day I want him to go racing but if he doesn't want to do it he doesn't want to do it but the opportunity's there um, just listen and do it uh do whatever you want to do have fun it's kind of where I'm at with it 
that listen thing is interesting. You just you blew my mind again on that because I felt like I felt like if I was a kid going racing, and and you and you've been that kid, mm-hmm. you get in there and you feel the speed and you're doing it, and you trust so much of just what you're feeling. I feel like listening is probably the toughest thing because you're like, well, I don't want to do that. This feels faster. Yeah. Like like how hard was that for you to do? Um, or were you or were you a good kid? And I was just a bad rebel because <laughs> I didn't listen to my coaches. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't really remember much of uh, trying to figure out how to be a driver and how to race co-karts. And then I didn't really remember a lot of going into the midget. I don't remember that transfer point. But I do remember my dad saying to the younger drivers that there's just a time that it clicked and it happened with me um, to where, you know, I was running sixth seventh eighth place and then all of a sudden i was racing for a win um you know but i i will say when i first started i had brad Nofsinger. i'm sure people know who that is yeah he was he was in the series and he was of course there trying to help guide me through um and i i did take some things he said in and then other things i just kind of blew it out the window and was like yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out yeah your kid <laughs> so it's uh it's at it's at his own pace. It's at everybody's own pace, but you got to listen if somebody's telling you to do something that they guarantee you you'll pick up some time. It's if you don't listen, you're not ever going to get there. It's probably one of the weirdest dynamics because you don't get this in a lot of stick and ball sports where it's one team against another team. Whereas in racing, you know, like people will see it if they watch probably a lot of open wheel shows or the sprint car shows where you see a bunch of the crew guys from a bunch of teams jumping on a car when it comes into mm-hmm. pit. And that's one example. But in racing, like you said, aside from like the professionals that aren't going to share much knowledge at all at, at this level of racing, a lot of it is, you know, Hey, I see you doing this, you know, try it this way or something. And it's someone who owns a whole different car that's running against you. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that's probably the hardest thing when I talk about, like, dirt racing or, or this level of racing with people, that they just, like, look at you like you got three heads when you say, like, other people will come over and, like, if you're actually willing to listen or just willing to give them some eye contact mm-hmm. and actually act like you're listening, you might pick up something really good. Yeah, there's uh, – with all these newer kids in the series – I we go to a new track that uh, could have really hurt somebody. Like Orange County is a fast place, and if you get out of control there, you're going to hit the wall, and you could do some serious damage. I do my best to take the younger kids and put them on the four wheeler and take a ride around the racetrack. You know, give them some knowledge about the racetrack, let them see it, tell them where the bumps are, um, and then throughout the day, if they have a question, they can come over and talk to me. Or, you know, the Jessica Bean who's been in the series for a long time she's pretty knowledgeable as well you know they ask her for help if the car is uh if you have an accident and the car's a mess we've had cars show up here at the shop then we put them back together and help them do whatever we can to keep the cars on the racetrack um because essentially if the car is not able to run that's one less car for the show and if now you have five six seven cars that are unable to show up now you have instead of 14 cars you have six and that, that, that nobody, looks a lot better. Yeah, it looks a lot worse. Yeah. Nobody really wants to watch a six car race. No, not me. And I'm yeah. a, I'm a hardcore, and I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. So, do you ever get to the point where where with them where they're not listening, and you just have to go, okay, I'm gonna throw my hands up here, 
and let you learn the hard way and then give you a, I told you so? Have you, have you get, had to get to that point with a few of them? Yeah, they, uh, what bothers, what kind of gets to me the most is they'll listen at one place and they run well, they run third, and then they're almost like, okay, well, I got this figured out, I don't need his help. And then you just kind of got to wash your hands of that and let them figure it out and kind of do your own thing. Yeah. I, uh, I will help anybody that wants help, but I won't help people that think they're better than me and yeah. think they know more than I have. I've been doing it for so long that uh, I might know a little bit more than these younger kids coming up. Is there is there a cutoff point with the help? Like, do you, do you have to cut it off at some point where it comes to, like, they want to know exactly what springs you're running or what, what setup you've got? Like, is, is, is there a line? No. No? I'll tell them whatever they want to know. See, that's just that that boggles my mind, and I'm a hardcore fan. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it, I mean, you can't drive the car for them, so I yeah. mean, that's and I guess my, that's where the line is. And the funny thing is, is my car's a one-off car, so nobody in the pits can run the same setup that I have. Really? Yeah. So I have I have a hundred and eighty-pound spring in the rear of my car, to where everybody else has like three or four hundreds. Mm. They can't run my setup, so yeah, they can look at it all they want to. Is that just you want to be different, or that's just what you like? That's no, just uh, your feel. My car is custom built from a gentleman up in New York to where that's kind of how it was set up to be. Okay. I hear you. So, last driver question I get on you. <laughs> because you get to go to all these places. Do you prefer the flatter places where it's a little more finesse, or do you like that higher banking, like the Orange Counties, where you can get up there and you can just let it rip and you get that higher speed sensation. What, uh, what, what do you kind of prefer? I'm definitely a flat track kind of guy. Yeah. That, that's kind of where I like to be. Um, except for two weeks ago, we raced at Anderson, Indiana. That's a high banked, uh, it's like a mini Bristol. Yeah. It, it's super high banked, but it's about the size of Wake County. So what is that, a eighth like mile quarter or something? Mile quarter ish. mile I can't remember exactly the size of it. But uh, that place was a lot of fun. And you weren't running the bottom there. You were like middle of the racetrack. You send it in, and then you just kind of get it to turn and plant it and drive off. That that was a fun place to race. So we could take you to Bowman Gray Stadium, and you'd be fine. I'd love. Well, it there's there. literally no banking I'd at all. I love it there. Yeah, that's uh. Plus, the fans could flip you off, and you yeah, can see it. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, I'm notorious to give it back, though. So. I've never seen it. Oh, I've yeah. never seen you mad. Oh uh, well. Now, I've seen you agitated, but I've never seen you like getting out of that car because it's not like you know normal guys. You're used to the visual of. All right, they got to climb out through the window, and then I'm gonna go tell this person how mm. I feel. You got to come out of the top, yeah. get your legs free, and then go handle your business. Well, I've, uh, <laughs> I've been lucky to where I haven't had many accidents. I haven't really had uh, had the bumper put to me many times. So I, I guess there's there's no reason to be mad unless something makes you mad. I got you. But um, yeah, I'm an advocate of not having to hit people. Period. To pass them especially in those cars yeah man. um and it, you do it once it's an accident but you do it repeatedly repeatedly every lap yeah you'll you'll get the single finger salute from me for sure <laughs> uh, well man i appreciate you sharing some knowledge i had a lot of fun with this i feel like i've you know i feel like i should have interviewed you years ago because <laughs> i've learned more in this than i did watching you run at all this has been uh a lot of fun for me well but, thank uh, you for having me i'm you know i enjoyed it myself it's nice to catch up with you and if this is the last year, I've had a ton of fun seeing you race. I've gotten to interview you quite a few times. I think one time I interviewed you and it started raining because I think, I think we were at Ace. 
Maybe. And I think I started interviewing you, and it started raining, and that was the end of the night. But yeah, um, really, really late night too. Right? Oh gosh, there was uh, like two fans in the stands. Those were those <laughs> nights that gave Brad Allen gray hair yeah. at Ace Speedway. <laughs> but, yeah. Ace uh, Speedway. Yeah, that's where we met. Yeah. I, I I still remember the first time you guys come. Yeah, that was a that was our home track. I guess we raced there more in one year than anywhere else. I guess in like five years. I'm just glad you were up front most times because I was still learning you guys so much, <laughs> and I'm I'm so used to the bigger numbers that I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, that's Chris Lamb. Chris Lamb's in the lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Or it. when they got to do the. Uh, I think it was the Shane Mill tribute, mm -hmm. and you guys. I think we're. I think y'all ran both nights, and the National Midgets yeah, ran both nights, yeah. and Rico and Clawson and yep. Kyle Larson were all there. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I think you, did you win the first night? Or maybe Nick won the first night. I think Nick. Someone won else were on the second night. Yeah, there. I didn't win. You didn't win that weekend. I don't think I did. No. no. I remember Hagen winning the the. The big one, the second night, but I forget who won the first one. I don't night. know. I think, for some reason, I felt like I saw a trophy around here that said Shane Meal on it. But I don't know. But I don't think it was me. Well, I've seen you win plenty of other times. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate you, brother. And uh, I look forward to seeing if if your son decides to go with it. Yeah. I look forward to seeing an, another generation of lamb out Heck there. Yeah. So. We'll have to get him on here when uh, when it blows up, the podcast. Oh, we're going to have to teach him how to interview. <laughs> I can't stand when people don't know how to do interviews. We will, we will teach him right. Yeah. And, uh, practice makes perfect. There you go. You've had a lot of practice. Uh, I appreciate you, bud. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to yet another edition of the Half Price Concessions Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Himalaya, Castro, whatever podcast app you're using. Please hit the subscribe button. If there's a section to leave us a rating and review, please leave us a good one. It would really help us out a ton. Also, if you're listening on our YouTube page, hit the subscribe button there. That way, you'll get notified every time we put out new episodes. Also, you can email the show. The email address is halfpricedconcessionspodcast at gmail.com. You can email us questions, concerns, ideas for future episodes, anything and everything. We'll definitely respond to it, and we just appreciate you listening. Also, if you have friends or family who want to listen but don't want to go to YouTube and don't have a podcast app, you can listen to every episode on our website. That's www.anchor.fm slash hpcpodcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Tyler Williams, and I hope that you have a great day.